Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Achieve Your Goals podcast listeners, goal achievers. It's John Berghoff here. We're at episode 156. You've heard us mention a few times last few weeks that this is an exciting moment because we're honoring this is three years that these podcasts, Hal has been delivering them to the world. If you're jumping into this episode midstream and you're not aware of either who I am or why I'm standing in for Hal at the moment, please go back and listen to episode, I think it's 152 where we share a little bit about Hal's journey, where at the moment he is battling cancer. And if this is the first time you're hearing that, go back and listen to episode 152. And as always, send your positive love, energy, and vibes, not only to Hal and to his family, but to anyone in your world that could use positive support. In honor of three years, we've got a really special guest today. We have none other than Jordan Harbinger of the Art of Charm podcast. Jordan, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. You know, I told you a minute ago, this is our first time meeting, and I'm laughing at myself because I've heard of you, known of you, but I know I don't fully appreciate the extent of your story. I've not heard all of your episodes through your podcast, and I'm totally pumped to be bringing you to the Miracle Morning community here or the Achieve Your Goals podcast community. Where do we want to start? I know we are going to talk about networking and relationship development, which is something that you've been recognized for being really exceptional at. And I think there's some gold here when it comes to goal achievement. But I guess I also want to make sure anyone who might be meeting you for the first time here understands how you went from whoever or wherever you were to leading a podcast, amongst other things, that has become massively influential. So I'll let you start that wherever you'd like. Sure. So I essentially had kind of an unusual story, but also very usual at the same time. I was a shy kid, surprise, and I ended up skipping a lot of school when I was a kid because I had, I guess you would just, in retrospect, you'd call it social anxiety. Back then, people just referred to us as nerds and that was the way things were, or geeks or whatever. But I wasn't unpopular. I didn't get picked on. I didn't get bullied. None of that, really. I just had some weird thing where I assumed everybody was looking at me and judging and it was all internal. And so I kept skipping school and I got into computers because my parents had gotten me one of those early because I basically terrorized them until they did, which wasn't my usual way of getting what I wanted, honestly. It just, I was so into my friends' computers. It was like this magical portal into another world, especially with the modem. For those of you who don't know what a modem is, the way you connect to the internet before you had just a plug in your house, broadband. And I got one of those for Christmas. I spent all my money on phone bills, calling different bulletin boards and connecting to the internet and all that stuff and AOL. And I started getting into trouble inevitably because I wasn't satisfied. There was no web to surf, right? You had to find chat rooms and you had to find interesting things and you had to break things and hack and do that kind of stuff. That's just what people did online. So I started talking to these computer science geeks and stuff like that and these phone hackers and I started doing wiretapping. I started to figure out cell phones and landlines and I was obsessed with the phone system like I was obsessed with computer systems because again, it was this portal into another world. Here I am an only child. I feel a little bit self-isolated, frankly. 
My parents are at work all the time and I got to figure out systems and I'm starting to listen to my neighbor's phone calls and which hopefully the statute of limitations has passed on this. But I started <laughs> to listen to phone calls and one of my neighbors was getting a divorce. Okay. And I remember him being one way with me, like all adults when you're 13, 14 years old, basically they're just people who yell at you, feed you, give you homework, drive you places. And if they're your parents, they love you, right? That's it. Yeah. Or like their family members and stuff like that. This was the first time I had experienced an adult being a three-dimensional human, if this makes any sense. So it was kind of like, this was the first time where an adult, I'd heard him talking with his soon-to-be ex-wife. I heard him talking with his sister, his brother, his friends, his mother. And he was a different person with each one of these people. It was the first time I saw an adult as like a three-dimensional human just like me with like their own issues. And I remember thinking things like, if he had talked to his soon-to-be ex-wife the same way he talks to his mother, he probably wouldn't be in this situation. As if I'm 13 and a half years old or something <laughs> like that, totally qualified to give this guy some marriage advice or whatever. And so that got me interested in human behavior. And I never really thought this is a useful skill for life. I just thought this is a fun thing that I like doing the end, right? It was never something where I thought like this is a useful life skill I should focus on or pay attention to. And later on, I went to law school and I had outworked everybody in law school and in college. And before that, I was kind of smart enough to skate by. And I think most people listening are like, probably very familiar with what it's like to be a smart person and just kind of skate by on that in school. Yeah. And the problem was when I got a job on Wall Street after law school, not only could I not outsmart everybody because I was definitely not the smartest guy in the room anymore and hadn't been since high school, not even then probably, but I couldn't outwork them either because the people who had spent law school like drinking and hanging out and skating by and all that, they were not working in these types of firms. So the playing field was once again leveled and I had no competitive advantage. And I eventually started to pay attention to this guy named Dave, who was one of the guys that had hired me there. And he was never in the office, but yet he was one of the most powerful partners in the firm, especially in the department. He was a guy from Brooklyn with a tan, which is always a clue that they know something that you don't. And the other partners would be working at 3 a.m. on a Saturday. And there I would be sitting there thinking, where's Dave? He's not even here at 3 p.m. on a Tuesday, let alone at night on a weekend. And one day I asked him, because we have these Q&A mentorship sessions, right? And I saw him in the office like twice the first four months I was there. And I said, how come you're never in the office, but people say you make a lot of money and you're one of the top partners? I don't get it. Do you just work from home all the time? And you know, this is a Brooklyn guy, so you can be a little bit straightforward like that. Normally, you might not want to do that <laughs> with everybody. And he was like, well, you know, actually, I bring in a lot of the deals. And so since I bring in a lot of the deals, I don't worry about getting a billable hour bonus because as lawyers, we bill things in six minute increments. I mean, that's how we make money. It's how the firm makes money. Yeah. And this blew my freaking mind, man, because I thought, wait a second, how on earth are you making more money bringing in deals? I mean, duh, right? But how on earth are you making money bringing in deals and not billing hours? I mean, if that's more lucrative, I've got to learn how to bring in deals because I'm not just going to be able to outwork these people. And I'm certainly not going to be one of these guys who's got some new novel idea for how to structure a financial product. I mean, give me a break. You know, I can barely do pre-algebra or pre-calculus or whatever. <laughs> I don't even know the difference between those two things. Yeah. And so 
he sort of explained like, oh, you know, uh, this, that, and the other thing. And he basically said what all naturally good networkers do when you ask them for advice. Yeah, you just put yourself out there and, you know, you make your friends and then your friends give you work and blah, blah, blah. And you go, cool, cool, cool. I have no idea how to do that, right? Yeah. And everybody else that I asked about networking was kind of like, well, you know, you spend enough time in the game and you meet people and you know, over the years you become friends and then those people give you work. And I just thought that sounds like a really terrible non-system for doing this. Like that is just one of those, if I wait long enough, I mean, if you compare this to dating and relationships, for example, it's kind of the same strategy as if I just stay in my house long enough, the perfect person who I should marry will eventually cross my path and dot, 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 everybody gets married. Don't worry about it. That's kind of the advice that this guy was telling me, right, about networking and bringing in business and becoming a good attorney. And I just thought, mm, I'm going to pass on that. I've already seen that people's skills can be learned, that people's skills can be something that we can focus on, but I'd never really put my foot on the gas. I had just been more an observer of that since the wiretapping incident of 1993 or 94 or whatever. Yeah. And so I thought, wait a minute, this is my competitive advantage, potentially. This is the quote-unquote secret third path. And what I mean by that is, this is the way in which I could potentially find that I'm able to create relationships and networks. And by the time the other people here who are working their butts off, smarter than me, et cetera, et cetera, by the time they kind of wake up and smell the coffee on Wall Street, I will at least be good enough with the relationships that they won't be able to catch up, which is good because they'll be the workhorses and they'll be smart and we'll all be able to work together and I won't get fired. I wasn't thinking, how do I beat these people? I was thinking, how do I not get fired from this firm when they find out I'm like the dumbest guy here? You know, it was essentially this imposter syndrome that had started to kick in. But the good part is it spurred me to find a competitive advantage instead of just sitting around and worrying about it. So I dedicated my life at that point, this is 14 years ago or something now, to studying human behavior, networking, applied psychology, relationships, and things like that. And that's kind of where we started with it. Of course, when I was 24 and I started learning this stuff or started applying this stuff, it quickly became, wait a minute, this stuff works on women? Okay, let's focus on that for five years. And that was kind of all I did. And then as I grew older, I realized, wait a minute, okay, one, get your head back in the game. This is for professional reasons. Two, this is something that will actually apply to everybody and every field, I should say. It's not just how do you meet more people and make more friends. This is professional connections. This is friendships. This is familial relationships, et cetera. And that worked out really, really well. That was really, really good. And that's been something that The Art of Charm has essentially been focused on for the past 10 plus years. Wow. Wow. Jordan, this is fascinating. So a lot of folks that are on this podcast are solo entrepreneurs or sales professionals who maybe got into what they're doing because they wanted freedom of being on their own. One of the things that I've discovered is that Oftentimes, succeeding through relationships, through partnerships is even more important than I gave credit to back when I first went into working for myself. So I guess I would love any thoughts you have on helping us to value how important it is to be able to build relationships, even if we think we're in a business or we think we have goals that don't necessarily rely on others. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I think the way that we, what is it called? The problem of the instrument. This is kind of like the inverse of the problem of the instrument. And the problem of the instrument is 
when you're a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. Yeah, yeah. Ever heard that? Yep. So like if you're good at internet marketing, well, oh, this isn't going right in your life. It can be solved by internet marketing. Make more money, solve the problem, or like your business isn't getting this, da da, da internet market. So people do that all the time. And it makes sense. I mean, it's human nature. The problem is we have the inverse situation here where people go, well, I've never been much of a networker, or you know, I have my close friends, but I hate schmoozing. Or they throw some stereotype and they're like, I hate being fake. And it's like, uh, okay, mm-hmm. nobody said you had to do that. But what that ends up doing is the reverse or the opposite of the problem of the instrument, which is since I don't have this tool, it's not going to be useful for me. I'm going to work around it and I won't need it. And that's why a lot of people have this issue with networking is they go, oh, go to a mixer. That sounds like a huge waste of time or boring or terrible or I don't want to speak on stage and go to this event. This sounds awful. So they just avoid it. And then they go, look, I work from home. I don't really need this. And I hear that objection a lot when people say things like, oh, you know, I don't really need this because most of my business is done online or something like that. And it's just like, oh, actually, you're running into this exact problem, which is that you don't know what you can have with this. And you're probably running uphill. What is it? Sisyphus who keeps pushing the boulder uphill and then it rolls back down. That's how business goes when you have to do it all on your own. So it's really easy to sort of delude ourselves into thinking we don't need that. It's just like if you were single your whole life and you don't get married and you see this stuff online where there's these little communities of people that are like, I'm better off now that he cheated or I'm better off now that I got divorced because I'm a free man now. And you're just thinking like, okay, I mean... To say that you don't need a family because your last one didn't work out is kind of a little bit of a stretch, right? Let's be realistic here. And we see that with businesses and with individuals who don't want to create these networks and create this because they're scared or because they think, ugh, learning that whole skill set is going to be such a nightmare. I'm just going to work on what I'm comfortable with, which is copywriting, and try to make up for it that way. And it does not work. It doesn't work. Everybody at the top of any industry... And like the people that you see on the Art of Charm podcast, I'm always asking them about this, like General McChrystal or the head of the CIA or NSA, you know, those guys have been on the show or Peter Diamandis or Tony Hawk, the pro skater. I ask those people about their business and their success. And inevitably, it's always about the team. It's always about the team. It's always about an opportunity they gleaned through this, the relationship they had through that. That's 100% of the time. It's something to do with that. That's not a coincidence. And that's not just lip service because those people are on a show that talks about social skills. Let's be real. 99% of the people that come on the show at that level aren't listening to our charm for 10 hours to get a feel for what we do. They show up and they answer the question. And I'm not feeding them the answer. So we have a very strong commonality here that shows us that, hey, look, you know, nobody succeeds in a vacuum. And If you're listening to this right now and you're in the Miracle Morning community somehow, well, why are you there? Well, for the reasons we're talking about right now. So yeah, I mean, it's impossible to succeed that well in a vacuum. And the reason that people are looking for, if you're sitting there going, well, what about this person? Because you're looking for an example to counteract this, you're kind of showing the exception that proves the rule where people are like, well, It's like when people say, well, Mark Zuckerberg didn't go to college. Okay, cool. Are you Mark Zuckerberg? If not, follow this part of the flowchart and go back to, you know, do not pass go, do not collect 200 or in his case, $60 billion. Because it's very, very easy to delude ourselves into thinking that we don't need this because it's uncomfortable 
or this won't work for me because I don't want to put in the work. And it's just not a plan for action. It's a losing mindset. And I want to get people to kind of realize that. And the sooner we stop believing our own, you know what, the quicker we can kind of move past it and fix the problem itself. Yeah. So for our listeners who are either already out there networking or they buy into or believe, okay, I've got to build quality relationships. What advice can you give us so that the time is well spent? Where do we go wrong? I can think of myself spending years thinking I was networking, attempting to network, not getting positive results, then finally getting them. What have you learned about that? Sure. So it's not just about the time. It's about the places and the opportunities that we leverage. So one of the reasons that people hate, quote unquote, networking so much, and I completely understand this, is they go and do things like, well, I signed up for this mixer this one time and it was super boring or none of the people were in my industry or none of the people I met there panned out. And I've done that 10 times and it's just a waste of time. One very golden rule that's very non-PC, and if people listen to The Art of Charm, they'll know I'm like very non PC in many ways, I'll just leave it at that, is that networking events, these generalized mixers, these like, hey, show up, we're all entrepreneurs here. They're almost without exception, a ginormous waste of time because they're not curated. Any event that's open to everyone will get exactly the type of people you might imagine will go to something that requires no actual invitation. And that's a big problem because what ends up happening is, and I mean no offense to people who are financial managers or whatever, as you show up to these quote-unquote networking events, you sit down and people go, hi, what's your name? Oh, interesting. Oh, cool. That's what you do. Neat. Well, if you need someone to manage your retirement funds, here's my business card. And then you do that 87 times and then you poke your eyes out with the little toothpicks that they put in the Vienna sausages that they were passing around as hors d'oeuvres. And then you go home going, I will never do that again. What the hell? And you throw all those business cards in the recycle bin, not the trash because we're eco-friendly. You throw them in the recycle bin and you never get in touch with those people and you just hope that all those business cards that you wasted giving to them in return are never acted upon because now you're on seven people's newsletters and you can't unsubscribe and you're just thinking, I'm never doing this again. And the problem is not networking doesn't work or this type of thing is a waste of time. The problem is non-curated events. So go to the events that are curated. They don't have to be super expensive, although that's generally a good sort of filter for a lot of people. You can go to ones or you can create one yourself where you invite people and you connect people in your network. Because the way to scale your network is to not try to help people yourself, but to make introductions to other people inside your network who can help each other. For example, when I got to LA, and the reason for this is because you can't see opportunities over the horizon. And so the story will illustrate this. When I got to LA, I had a toothache. And this is like eight years ago. I had a toothache and I didn't have a car. I just moved. I went to every dentist near me that I could find on Google. There was no Uber at this point. And they were all like, oh, sorry, we don't take new patients. Oh, sorry, we don't take this kind of insurance. Oh, you should go to the ER. You should go to the ER. I'm thinking like, uh, I just need my tooth handled. And if I go to the ER, they're going to like reach in there with pliers, like some sort of, you know, Jason Bourne or Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. And they're just going to yank my tooth out. It's going to be terrible. And so I posted on Facebook in desperation and some random stranger who I didn't know because it's public post was like, hey, you're a friend of a friend of a friend. My aunt's a dentist near you. Do you want me to call her and see if she can help? And I said, oh, yes, anything. So He did. She came in early. She set up everything over the phone for me the day before so I could just come in, get my tooth taken care of and got out of there. And I thought, man, do I owe this guy one? Well, he says, look, I'm a graphic designer and I'm looking for a job. And I didn't need any help 
with graphics, nothing. So I was unable to help him directly. And I just said, yeah, cool. I'll keep my ear to the ground for you. Well, three, four days later, a friend of mine said, wow, your website, the new website looks awesome. Who did it? And I said, oh, you know, we do it in house. Sorry. And she goes, oh man, you know, my designers keep flaking. And I said, look, I've got this portfolio from this guy who helped me find a dentist. I've never worked with him. The portfolio looks okay though. I mean, I don't know if you need a designer, I know he's looking for work, so he'll show up. Right. And she ended up hiring this guy, full-time gigs, 60, 70 grand a year, I think, doing graphic design. And bear in mind, he's probably like 22, 23 years old. So he got a job doing what he wanted to do, quit his job at this Lamo cafe in LA where he lived. And that happened because he helped me find a dentist on Facebook. Now, I've never met this guy and I've never spoken with him. Well, maybe once or twice since. The idea that people have where they go, well, you know, I can't help this person directly. That's the wrong way to think about networking and relationships. You're not going to be able to help 99% of the people that you meet directly. You're just not. But if you collect people in your network, like a creepy little menagerie of connections like I do, what happens is I know somebody that can help you and I know somebody that you can help inside my network. And I will ask, I do the double opt-in intro, which means I will ask one person, are you open to being connected to this person for this reason? And I'll do the same thing to the other person And when they both say yes, I'll make the introduction. And the reason I do the double opt-in, by the way, is because if they already know each other, we avoid that. If one person's too busy, we avoid that. If one person does not want to connect with that other person, we avoid that. And there's a whole host of other reasons that I won't get into here that the double opt-in is basically mandatory, especially with busy people. But this makes networking scalable when you connect people to each other in their network. Because look, I can't do graphics for my friend's website and I'm not hiring a graphic designer. So it's a really obvious match to connect those two people. The trick is to get good at noticing what people need by anticipating their needs and then using that to connect to other people in your network. So rather than if I had to do that over again, I probably wouldn't wait for a graphic design gig to fall from the sky to help that guy out. I might say something like, look, I'll keep my ear to the ground for you. And then if I'm surfing around or looking at my friend's new project and I go, these graphics are awful, who does them? And they go, oh yeah, we're trying to find a designer. I might say, I might have somebody for you. And I'll look in my contacts for graphic designers, pick two or three and get the portfolios from them. And then I'll send them to my friend and he'll be not only very thankful that I helped him find a designer or not, if it doesn't work out, but the designer will be very stoked that I got them a job. And this is fully scalable because that takes me, what, three emails, four emails to do that instead of trying to help them myself. So That's what people run into is this problem of curation. So you go to things that are going to be in the industry that you need with the type of quality of people that you need, or you create your own event. Scalability, which is, well, I can't help this person because I don't know how to edit graphics. I guess they can't do anything for me and I can't do anything for them. It's a wrong way to think about it. You've got to think who in my network can help them and who can they help in my network. And you give generously. This is ABG. Instead of ABC, always be closing. ABG always be generous. And what that means is, look, if I help you 80 times on your podcast, I mean, a 100 times, whatever, I don't want to think about what you're going to do for me in return. It goes along with it's don't keep score is sort of the motto we're looking at here. And the reason is because keeping score does something that's called creating covert contracts. And covert contracts, this is maybe a relationship term from psychology, but it's essentially, if I help you three times and I haven't asked you for anything in return, but I expect you to read my mind about what I want and you're not doing that because you're a normal person and you don't think about my needs all day, you think about your own. 
I get mad at you if I have a covert contract, right? I think I've helped John like six times and this guy, he hasn't done anything for me. How dare, this guy's a taker. What a mooch. Meanwhile, you're like, gosh, this Jordan guy is so great. He helps me all the time. Yeah, I should help him with something, but I don't know. I don't really have anything to offer. So I'll just be quiet, but man, what a good guy. Meanwhile, I'm annoyed with you. Now, this makes no sense, right? And the reason it's happening is because I'm keeping score where I shouldn't be. So don't keep score. Get used to other people not helping you back nine times out of 10. It's not because they're selfish, or it might be, and it's not because of any particular reason that has to do with you. And so if you get used to that and you just get used to the idea that you're helping people for the sake of helping them, then when people do help you in return, it's a bonus. And you never get mad at your contacts. And you just keep on helping people get what they want. And then one day, something may come back to you. The idea is that if you help 100 people and 95 of them never help you, but five of them give you something major or minor to help you in your life or your business, I'd say that's a really good trade, especially when you helping them involves sending like three emails or introducing them to other friends of yours. And those people owe you one as well for helping them out. Does this make sense? So you're building social capital by connecting two or more people in your network. And now they both kind of quote unquote owe you one, except since we're not keeping score, they don't owe you anything. So it doesn't sour the relationship if they never end up helping you in return. Does all that make sense? Well, I love it on so many levels, Jordan. On so many levels, this idea of encouraging us to consider being a connector versus just a taker. And I think about what you just shared reminds us that every time we leave the house or leave the office, instead of thinking of everybody we meet as, okay, is this somebody that I can either do business with or not? you just gave me, now I can be listening for their problems or challenges or what are their strengths. And if I'm listening for those things, I love the way you talk about it, making networking scalable. And to your point, if 95 out of those 100 don't ever bring me anything specific, I would argue that, yeah, think about what my reputation is though, because now 95 other people think positively about me. So that is so positive. And I'm so grateful that you just shared this double opt-in strategy on introductions. Because every once in a while, I get an introduction and I can tell it's so well-intended. And I think, gosh, that's not what I need. And now it actually creates a problem because I feel like I'm a bad person if I don't reply to this introduction, let alone the fact that I'm probably going to decline even needing to talk to the person. So I love that. That's awesome. Right. There's so much there. And I think there's probably a lot more that we could share here, but I don't want to overload people. I know we've been going for a while on this, so I want to make sure that people get a chance to sort of digest that. But the goal of this was not for me to teach a full you know, networking course here to everybody. I just want people to start to make those mindset shifts. And there's a lot more where that came from. Jordan, speaking of that, if anyone was just introduced to you for the first time today, can you make sure to help me? Where can they go learn more, hear from you in addition to the Art of Charm podcast? Sure. So the since you're listening to a podcast, I definitely recommend checking out, of course, obviously, self-serving. Check out the Art of Charm podcast. I'd love for people to tune in there or just go to theartofcharm.com. That's where we've got a lot of resources as well. And we actually have a challenge that kind of helps get people out of their shell and make some new connections. And it's got some kind of weird experiments and challenges that people are really loving. And you can get that if you go to theartofcharm.com slash challenge or If you're in the States and you're sitting in your car right now, you can text the word charmed, C-H-A-R-M-E-D, charmed, to the number 33444. And it will basically say like, cool, what's your email? And you can just text that back. That way, if you're driving or you're walking around, you don't have to remember to do that when you're in front of your computer. 
and we'll send you all of these little missions. And it's very cool because the coaching team from AOC is interacting with everybody doing that to help people get out of their shell a little bit, make new connections, follow up better. It's a little mini challenge for everybody. That's awesome. And for all of our listeners, Jordan also agreed to offer something additional, unique that we're going to do, where we're going to bring Jordan into the Miracle Morning community on a live stream coming up sometime after this episode. So make sure you're in that community to maybe answer any questions you have or go a little further with this topic today. So Jordan, hey, this was awesome, buddy. And on behalf of Hal, thanks for contributing your talent and your time today. So much appreciated. Yeah, thank you, man. This has been super fun. Awesome. Take care, buddy. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. 